It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Well, Las Vegas is going to get a lot of attention here Friday night and Saturday night with one of the biggest fight weekends of the year. We've still got 48 hours till that, which means it is still all NFL all the time, especially on a day like today where inevitably, Courtney Cronin, this is exactly what we expect every training camp. Injuries come. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, ESPN App Series XM, Channel 80. Alongside Courtney Cronin, I'm Michael Rothstein. We're filling in for Joe and Amber tonight. You want to join the show, give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. And, and Courtney, a rough afternoon, I would say, in the NFL, if you are a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals or the Miami Dolphins. Joe Burrow yeah. injured. Jalen Ramsey injured. And this is this could get a little bit dicey, I think, think very quick. Yeah, we always expect these sort of things to happen during training camp. It's the reason why so often you see players not participate until it's absolutely necessary, and it's why the idea that the preseason games don't matter for the stars. But, Mike, we're so far away from any of that even happening. This is the second day, I believe, for the Miami Dolphins in training camp and the second day for the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow and Jalen Ramsey go down. You know, it's unfortunate. I think that the Burrow injury sounds like it. he escaped, you know, without having something more serious than a calf strain. But Jalen Ramsey headed towards surgery as of tomorrow. He was just, you know, just signed with the Miami Dolphins. This offseason is supposed to be a part of this revamped defense. Not great news in South Beach that they were delivered this afternoon. No, not at all. And like you said, Joe Joe Burrow, it looked a lot worse if you saw the video that was posted by multiple people, including Kelsey Conway from the Cincinnati Inquirer. It looked like it was a non it was a non contact injury for Joe Burrow. So when you see that, you immediately think Achilles, you immediately think ACL, but it sounds like, according to head coach Zach Taylor, that it's a strength half for Joe Burrow, and our, our Diana Rossini is reporting that as well. Like, so hopefully that means that this isn't going to be a major issue for a team that is a Super Bowl contender. Adam Schefter, our ESPN NFL insider, was on SportsCenter earlier, and he kind of explained maybe how long Joe Burrow might be out. The backdrop to all this, of course, mm. is that Joe Burrow is on the verge of becoming the highest paid player in NFL history. At some point, the two sides are going to try to get that deal done, and you have to wonder now, with Joe Burrow's agent also representing Nick Bosa, who didn't even show to the 49ers training camp and won't show until he gets a new contract, if we won't see Joe Burrow back on a practice field again until he does become the highest paid player in NFL history. But for now, it looks like a calf injury. Calf injuries usually sideline players multiple weeks but mixed in with the backdrop of his unsettled contract situation, you have to wonder if we'll see Burrow again before his name gets signed. Yeah, and I, I would agree with Adam Schefter there. And if I'm Joe Burrow's agent, if I'm Joe Burrow's family, Courtney, I'm telling him the exact same thing. Hey, listen, you know what you're doing. You're in the same offense. You've played with these guys before. 
chill, relax, and go collect your $270 million or however many billions of dollars you're about to make. Yeah, better safe than sorry, and that is the right approach, but this is something we've seen now two off-seasons in a row with Joe Burrow. Remember, it was almost to the day where he had the appendectomy last year. It cost him the entire preseason. And then when he gets to the regular season, they got off to a real rocky start. You remember that opening game that went to overtime against the Pittsburgh Steelers where he got sacked seven times, he threw four picks, they lose that game, they lose to Dallas, and then they started to get things back on track. But big picture, in the AFC, two games might separate having home field advantage in the postseason and a team that's got to go on the road to try to fight their way into the AFC championship game. So it's tough, and you hope that this calf strain doesn't linger and that that is all it is because, of course, these were the initial reports. Zach Taylor said it after practice. We've seen the video. Our reporting has confirmed that. You just hope that it's nothing more serious than this because if you end up having Joe Burrow have to miss more time than the next five weeks before the regular season starts – then you might be teetering into some you know, tepid waters. As far as the contract goes, Mike, you and I both know he's about to make Justin Herbert the highest, second highest paid quarterback <laughs> in the NFL. It's funny that we're at this point because Herbert getting the big extension at the start of training camp. We thought that Joe Burrow might be following suit a day or two later. I think that for the Cincinnati Bengals, this is a team that doesn't historically like to pay players all that much. This could end up making them slow play it, but I don't know for how long, because this is an inevitability at this point, and this injury isn't at all going to slow that up. They should not slow play it, because all that will do is potentially annoy their franchise quarterback, the guy that they're hoping is around for the next decade plus, and also other players like, oh, I don't know, a guy named Jamar Chase, might take notice of that as well. As all of a sudden, wait a minute, you have a slight injury that's not, and you're now going to mess with it like this. I don't think the Bengals are going to mess around like that. They've already been doing things to try and clear money to make sure they can pay these guys, including putting naming rights on the stadium. This is something that's going to get done. Uh, it, it makes no sense for them to slow play it at all. Like, one iota. If you do that, that just shows some bad faith ownership. Of course, the Bengals have not always been the best when it comes to that, but I I just can't see them doing that. Now, we go from Cincinnati to Miami, where the news is not quite as good for Jalen Ramsey, one of the best cornerbacks, if not the best cornerback still in the NFL. Our Adam Schefter reporting that Jalen Ramsey's going to undergo knee surgery. He's expected to miss the start of the regular season with the injury he suffered during today's practice. That's per sources. It sounds, however, that the ACL is intact, which is good news for Jalen Ramsey. And Jalen Ramsey, as he is wont to do, has been taking to Twitter to kind of explain some things. He tweeted this about, oh, I don't know, five minutes ago. That end of the season push, gone be legendary. So it sounds like he at least is expecting to come back at some point this year. That is, I think, good news for the Dolphins. But the Dolphins are a team that's like a fringe Super Bowl team. They cannot afford this type of injury for too long. And the reason that they made so many additions to their defense this year, whether it is bringing in Vic Fangio, elevating him to defensive coordinator status, having him change what they were doing, trading for Jalen Ramsey, making additions in the draft. They're trying to bolster this unit that had some issues last year. Now you take away your franchise cornerstone piece in the secondary, and you've got a Xavier Howard who's in a year where he's got to prove something to a lot of people, himself and the franchise included. And then it's kind of like, well, 
well, who else? That's the problem that I have when I take a look at this defense right now and knowing that they were banking so, so, so much on Jalen Ramsey being able to be the guy that he was with the Los Angeles Rams, the Super Bowl years, take that to Miami because everyone, everyone in the AFC East has improved their defense. The Jets have done it. The Buffalo, Buffalo Bills have been good. Even the Patriots spent the top, they're like two, two of their top two picks on cornerbacks or members of the secondary this offseason. Now they've got to figure out, I mean, are they going to sign somebody off the street? Do they think that Cam Smith, their second-round pick from this year, can go fill in for Jalen Ramsey in the meantime? I'm not so sure that they don't make some sort of move. Maybe it's a trade because we know how tight that race is in the AFC East. And again, if no matter how long he's out for, and it doesn't sound like it's going to be a season-ending injury, but he is going to have surgery tomorrow. That shows you the significance of the timeline and how – that's the sense of urgency is so heightened down in Miami to get this thing done, get it done quickly, and get him back on the field. Yeah, I don't know if I would make a move if I'm the Dolphins, though, because it's not like all of a sudden the drop-off is major for you because you still have this guy named Xavier Howard who is a clear number one corner at one point was – the, one of the top corners, if not a top three corner in the NFL for a brief period of time. So you'd still have a guy who can handle number one receivers. And that, I think, is a big, big key. Coming up next, is the Pac-12 on its last legs? Well, one school may have sent it a little bit closer to it. We'll talk about that next. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Uh, there's about one conference in college football that seems to stay intact, and that's the one that Georgia's in, the SEC. On the other side of the country, things, well, things are not going well, and that might be very, very kind. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, alongside Courtney Cronin. I'm Michael Rothstein, and Colorado 
Courtney confirmed something about, I guess, what, an hour and a half ago that had been reported for a couple of days now. And they are having some conference roulette once again. They are going from a place they once were to back to there again. And they were once a Big 12 team. Then they left to go to the Pac-12. And guess what? Now they're going right back, Courtney, to the Big 12 and maybe they should have never left to begin with because the Pac-12 didn't really ever work out for them. This seems like it's just kind of a mess, right? Well, the media rights deal sparked this. It ex- the one expiring with the Pac-12 allowed for Colorado to look at themselves and say, hey, we weren't relevant here. We stunk for all but one year. They had one winning season, which happened in 2016. They went 10-4. and four. What happened the rest of the years? Nobody wants to revisit that. The 5-7 and seven finishes, <laughs> the 1-11 and 11 finish that they had in 2022, going back to 2011 when they joined 3-10. and 10. They're a terrible football team in the Pac-12. The hope is them going back to where they kind of rose to prominence. And, I mean, that was even before that, when they were not in the Big 12 is when they were starting to, you know, really get the wheels turning in college football. I don't know if they get back there. I don't know if Deion Sanders and the changes that they've made at Colorado will yield instant success when they join in 2024. But I'm not surprised to see the demise of the Pac-12 as we know it and seeing all these teams sort of get siphoned off because this is conference realignment. This is the one consistent thing, like it or not, in college football that we have over and over and over again. And every time something like this happens, Mike, I'm like, all right, who's next? Because Colorado can't possibly be the last team to leave the Pac-12. Maybe it's Oregon. Maybe it's another team that sees the dollar signs somewhere else with the media rights deal, like the Big 12 has. Or maybe it's another conference altogether. Well, here's the thing. The Pac-12 might not have many teams left to to siphon off at this point because don't forget, UCLA, USC, they're heading to the Big Ten. Colorado, by the way, will be able to go after the 2023-2024 season, so they will still play this season in the Pac-12 before they move on to the Big 12. And the Big 12 obviously having its own shakeup because Texas and Oklahoma is heading to the SEC. And realistically, you just need to kind of have a chart to understand who's where, because if you are over the age of, like, 15, all of this is just kind of so confusing for you. And the Pac-12, as we know it, is is not going to look anything like it. And it'll be really interesting to see if it exists at all. And Paul Feinbaum, the host of the Paul Feinbaum Show, kind of talked a little bit about that and what this could mean for the future. This could be seismic. And, yeah, you know, I don't want to trash the, the Pac-12 any more than we already have, but you might as well just, uh, you know, give them last rights if they lose Colorado. Because right now, Colorado has Dion, uh, one, of the, one of the most important names in college sports. And uh, if, if, if they end up leaving, what, is, what, is, what, what, what are they going to do out there? Uh, the answer, Paul, is uh, they're, they're going to have some problems because the Pac-12, who, who's your premier team now? In football, it's, it's Oregon, right? But uh, Or maybe Utah? Like, And then in basketball, not that basketball matters that much. Uh, uh, Oregon again, I guess? <laughs> like, like what, are, what are you looking at here? This is just kind of a complete mess. It is, and you wonder who's next. Like, we heard the buzz about UConn potentially going to the Big 12, and how many more schools from the Pac-12. I mean, it's going to be like the Pac-5 
five at some point because of all of these teams that are leaving in droves. And with the with the fact that the media rights deal had expired and Colorado saw a quick exit, this happened so fast. We heard the buzz about this. Like I think it was Monday or Sunday that, hey, they're probably leaning towards this. Okay, they're going through the process. Okay, the chancellors are voting. Okay, they're out. How quickly did this happen? Because even with USC and UCLA, I know that was like the July news bomb of all news bombs last year when they announced that they were leaving, but that coincided with the Big Ten's media deal. This is not coinciding with anything other than the Pac-12's media deal expiring. So I I don't know if this is going to yield anything as far as you know, success for them going into the Big 12 if they see an opportunity now with Oklahoma and Texas out of the conference. But maybe the fresh start back into an area where they were, you know, relatively successful during the course of their 24 years before going into the Pac-12, maybe that can jumpstart something for this team. I mean, they've got they've got a lot of juice. I mean, the Deion Sanders effect, the amount of money that's now pouring into that program, the NIL deals, transfer portal, Colorado's a brand again, like it or not. Yeah, they are. Uh, I'm more curious what's going to happen in the Pac-12, though, because Colorado's going to do what Colorado does. I actually think it's a good fit for them in the Big 12, frankly, especially because it's a new-look Big 12 where the Big 12 is looking for kind of a marquee team or two as well because of Texas and Oklahoma leaving. See, this is really intriguing to me. Maybe the, you know, listen, the Pac-12 started as a much smaller conference back in 1915 when it was Cal, Oregon, Oregon State, and Washington. Washington State joined in 1917. Stanford joined in 1918. Maybe they just stick with that. And then they can maybe go get a Boise State who has been with them in wrestling in the past. Maybe you can get San Diego State to join you fully now, right? Maybe you go and get Fresno State and you just start raiding some of these other leagues if you're trying to survive, frankly. And that's that's what this is going to end up being. This is one the reality, Courtney, with all of this is going to be very simple. At the end of the day, there's going to be two to three four major conferences that have 20 teams each, and that is what major college football is going to look like. And conference supremacy is a big thing. Fans like that. That's not As much as we say realignment's bad for the sport and it's killing rivalries, it's turning college football into a year-round product because fans are smarter. They understand NIL. They understand the transfer portal. They understand the business side of college football. Take me back 10 years ago when you were covering college football and I was, you know, I was down in the South. I was covering the SEC. I was going to say, you were like in high school. No, no. I was covering the SEC 2013, 2014. So, like, you know, in the last decade, in the 2010s, were we talking about media rights deals the way that we are now? And George Klievkoff last week at Pac-12 Media Day saying, oh, I don't want to take away from the football, so I'm not going to talk about the media deal. Come on. Like, this is high drama because it's changing where people go. It becomes musical chairs now. And... I remember back at a time in 2011 where people were freaking out saying, oh, this is going to be the death of college football as we know it. Look at it. July 27, 2023, this is only the beginning, it feels like, of what's going to be the explosion now with these super conferences and the SEC versus the Big Ten and pulling in powers, making these conferences more profitable, the schools more profitable, and kind of eating all of the week along the way. I think it's exciting and it's fun for college football. No, it it is. By the way, back in 2010, 2011, when I was covering Michigan, you were talking about the start of the Big Ten Network, the start of the SEC Network, and you were talking still about media rights. 
but not, not like this, this. Not like this. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. And honestly, the Pac-12 might want to have some insurance on Basically everything. Coming up, part one of our two-a-days deals with the team whose star player is holding out. We'll talk about him and the bigger picture for running backs in the NFL. That's next, Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. I mean, listen, when the killers play, you you can't get upset by any stretch of the imagination because nothing quite like it. So let's let it play for a little bit. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, ESPN App Series XM, Channel 80. Joe and Amber presented by Progressive Insurance alongside Courtney Cronin. I'm Michael Rothstein, and we have been doing this thing on ESPN Radio all week called Two-A-Days, where we look at every team in the NFL over the next few weeks, and tonight is no different as we hit on this team. Let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation Two-A-Day. Time is here. On ESPN Radio. The Las Vegas Raiders. Book 58. Go. This is Raiders reporter Paul Gutierrez. And the biggest storyline for Las Vegas wonders if Jimmy Garoppolo is an upgraded quarterback over Derek Carr. The Raiders believe so. Otherwise, they would not have cut a nine-year starter and signed the oft-injured Garoppolo. The thinking is a healthy Garoppolo is indeed an upgrade in this offensive system and his familiarity with Coach Josh McDaniel's scheme from their time together in New England. Granted, they were last together in 2017, but using Jared Stidham as an example, Stidham looked more comfortable in his two starts to end last season than Carr did in 15 games. Remember, McDaniel's scheme was the only one Stidham had known since entering the NFL in 2019. If familiarity breeds contempt, the Raiders hope it also brings success. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation 2 days on ESPN Radio. That was the great Paul Gutierrez. He covers the Raiders for us out in Las Vegas. And, Courtney, he, he said that Jimmy Garoppolo might be an upgrade over Derek Carr, and I'm sorry I'm not buying that for a second. The injuries alone give – it should give everybody pause. It certainly does for me, and I know that he was able to practice during the beginning of training camp. We weren't sure how he'd been healing up after the injury that pops up when they're about to sign him. It's like, oh, wait, we're still going to push this contract through? Okay, cool. Let's just roll the dice here. And, oh, by the way, we don't have Josh Jacobs 
our leading rusher from last year <laughs> on the rock. He's MIA currently. He left Las Vegas. He was on a Zoom call. He was upset about being franchise tagged and not getting a long-term deal. To me, this is a mess for the Las Vegas Raiders at a point where Josh McDaniels now in his second season out there is very much in the hot seat conversation. Like This is not a comfortable spot to be if you're a fan of this team because of the division in which you play in, because of who you have at quarterback, and because of the situation offensively, even though they have probably top two, maybe even the best receiving core in the AFC West, still a lot of concerns and question marks around what Derek Carr was unable to do last year in that offense and expecting that it's going to be all that much better with Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it, but it has nothing to do with the quarterback. It has to do with the guy who's calling the plays and the guy who's running the show, and that is that's Josh McDaniels, who I don't think as much of as a head coach. I think he's a great offensive coordinator. I think he's a brilliant offensive mind, but generally, when you see a guy fail spectacularly and stop one, that's not a good sign he's going to succeed in stop two. And he was a disaster in Denver, lasted less than two years, and it may end up being the same thing in Las Vegas, although he'll probably get the full season, Courtney, because Dave Ziegler is a guy who he has a lot of familiarity with. So unless Mark Davis just decides to clean house entirely, and I don't get the sense he's one to do that, he's not his dad, then... This could be a tough year. He's, to me, lingering just behind Brandon Staley in terms of hot seat situations. When we did those hot seat lists, what was that, two, three weeks ago, Josh McDaniels was firmly on it because I'm just not buying it as a head coach. And Derek Carr was a guy who played really well for every coach that was not Josh McDaniels, had great leadership skills, and very quickly found a home elsewhere That tells me that maybe Josh McDaniels might be the issue, not Derek Carr. And we don't know, truly, if Jimmy Garoppolo is an upgrade over Derek Carr, like you heard Paul talk about. Like, in that system in which they play in, sure. Because Josh McDaniels had coached Jimmy Garoppolo. He was successful in the time that you got to see him out with the New England Patriots. And they're hoping they can recreate that with a full season in in Las Vegas, but the injuries are always a concern. And look, I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I gave him, I've given him more credit than probably most people for the run that he had with the San Francisco 49ers for the decision to hold on to him last year. He did yeoman's work. He really did. And I know that, you know, there's, there was kind of the writing, the writing was on the wall for a long time with the San Francisco 49ers that they're going to eventually have to turn over a new leaf. Of course, they thought that was going to Trey Lance and it's probably going to Brock Purdy. But Garoppolo being on the move and signing the deal that he did with the San, with the Las Vegas Raiders does not surprise me whatsoever. You just will not know truly probably this season, whether he's that much better of a quarterback than Derek Carr because they're probably not going to win a lot of games. I've seen the predictions from a multitude of people who cover this team. This could be five wins at best, Mike, and that's not a good enough chance that you're going to have to evaluate whether Jimmy Garoppolo is that much better. And, of course, you've got Devontae Adams at this point of his career. Jacoby Myers just got there from the New England Patriots. They should be better offensively, but I just don't see it considering the state of this team and the uncertainty that they have at the QB position. Well, they have more than uncertainty at the quarterback position, Courtney, because arguably their second-best offensive playmaker is nowhere to be found. 
We don't know where he is. He could be in the Maldives. He could be in Australia. He Hope could he's be not in that Reno. Far away. What happens if they call him up and say, "Hey, here's your long-term deal. Come back." He's like, I mean, "Oh, sorry, it's going to take me 24 hours to get there." Well, you know what? After the way they treated him, that that might serve him right. He could also be in Reno. Who, who knows? You know, for for all we know, like. Of course, we were talking about Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is holding out as part of what is becoming the storyline of early training camp here, which is the running backs who should be getting paid that are not getting paid. And it has been, you know, it's been entertaining, Courtney, because not only is it Josh Jacobs, right? And if Josh Jacobs does not show up in Vegas, I'm sorry, the Raiders are sunk because then you really don't have much of a running game and you need to build on that because, again, you don't know how many games you're actually going to have Jimmy Garoppolo for. But this goes beyond Josh Jacobs. It goes to Saquon Barkley. It goes to Jonathan Taylor. It goes to almost every running back that is going to be coming up for a deal here in the next couple of years. And it's a tough spot to be in because the system is not one that they can fight. It really isn't. I know the Zoom call, it was a good start because at least they're trying to do something about it. At least they're trying to bring solutions to the table. They need to change the game because the system is set up against the running back position, which is what Jonathan Taylor is finding out fast and furious with the war of words between Jim Irsay and his agent subtweeting each other on Twitter and what Josh Jacobs is currently dealing with the concession that Saquon Barkley had to had to do this past week when he decided he was going to sign the reworked one-year deal where he gets basically two million dollars of his franchise tag salary up front to come to camp it's it's a tough situation I think for all running backs and I know that you and I both cover the NFL you cover the Falcons I cover the Bears we have a set of running backs you with B. John Robinson myself with you know a by committee approach guys who probably aren't going to make the biggest deals uh, at the position, but wondering, Hey, am I going to get paid? How is my position going to be viewed when I'm up for contract? Am I going to just have to go veteran minimum deal to veteran minimum deal just to have a job in this league? Imagine what it's like for guys who actually are at the upper echelon. And what we're finding out is that, even though they feel like they have leverage. What we heard was Saquon Barkley saying that he actually did consider sitting out because he had to play that card. Potentially, it just comes back to there's nothing they can do right now. There's nothing Josh Jacobs can do right now. Frankly, Mike, I think he'll be back in training camp at some point. Maybe not till the end. Maybe not till week one. If the Raiders end up pulling that tag deal, whew. Watch out for that because it's going to be very interesting to see if he's on the move. I highly doubt it, though. I think they need him, but I don't think they're going to pay him. No, I don't think they're going to pay him. I actually I talked to one of the Falcons running backs, Tyler Algier, who was a rookie last year as a fifth-round pick. He was a 1,000-yard rusher. And I asked him, I was like, so do you pay much attention to this? He was, by the way, not invited to that Zoom call. Uh, I guess it was just for guys maybe who have or are in this situation currently. He's got a couple of years. But he, he kept saying, listen, I'm just going to play hard and hope, and it'll work out. And I was like, well, wait, you look at what's going on. What gives you any confidence in that? And then he amended it and said, well, hopefully it will all work out. And that was basically exactly what – I thought he was going to say. And the Atlanta Falcons are a team that runs the ball a lot, and they have Bijan Robinson. To me, Courtney, a guy like Bijan Robinson is like Christian McCaffrey. Those are the guys that are going to get paid because they are more than just your strict running backs. And that's, to me, the future of where that position's going. It's, it is. 
But, like, I caution with the Christian McCaffrey Teo because we've brought this up. And Bijan, everything about him projects that he's going to be the Swiss Army knife in that offense, that he's not just going to be a running back. He can be – he can catch passes out of the backfield. He can get flanked out wide. He can be – let's call it an athlete. You know, the phrase that they use Offensive option is what I call it. I like that. Offensive option. I'm going to start using that, like, as I refer to running backs from now on that do more than just, you know, run the ball. But I – I thought about Bijan the other day when the idea, when this Zoom call thing came up and I thought about the CBA and that it goes through 2030. I wonder with the stance that owners have taken on this and what we heard very publicly, Jim Ursay offering up his thoughts yesterday that the deal had been ratified in 2020 when they pushed the new CBA through during COVID and that was agreed upon between the PA and the NFL and his stance, which is probably the stance of a lot of owners, that it's quote unquote like disingenuous for the running backs to now want to try to change that. I feel like owners are going to stand pat on this and that we won't see people reap the benefit of potential changes to how running backs are compensated, what their rookie wage scale looks like, until after Bijan Robinson, which is a sad reality because he is that next big explosive, what you call it, offensive option? Offensive option. I, like, he's the next one. And he yes. should be falling into that Christian McCaffrey category where you do set the record-breaking deal. But I just don't know if it's going to happen because eventually – Unlike Carolina, and even unlike the San Francisco 49ers, if Desmond Ritter's good, if they get another quarterback, they're going to be paying him and not yeah. the Bijan Robinsons of the well, world. Well, I mean, beyond that, too, you've got Kyle Pitts. You've got Drake London. You have Tyler Algier, too, who is a, a key cog because that's a team that does, this is an Atlanta team that does like to run the ball. Jameer Gibbs, the other first-round running back who was taken by the Lions, very similar to Bijan Robinson, too. Those two guys, to me, four years from now, three years from now, because I think offenses are going to start to change, they are going to be a really interesting test case because you have fifth-year options on those guys, too. Coming up, the Angels told, told us yesterday they were not trading Shohei Otani. So what did he do today? Oh, he just set some history. We'll hit that next. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
There is love in California, at least for maybe, I don't know, what, eight more weeks? Something like that. The, the equivalent of, what, Groundhog Day, where they see more weeks of winter. Because I, I feel like for the Los Angeles Angels, what they went through the last couple months is going to just be a little bit of Groundhog Day again whenever their season ends. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, ESPN App Series XM at Channel 80. Alongside Courtney Cronin, I'm Michael Rothstein. We're filling in for Joe and Amber tonight. Joe and Amber is always presented by Progressive Insurance. And we're talking about Shohei Otani because, Courtney, Shohei Otani is a generational player. Like, this guy, this guy may go down as one of the top five players in baseball history. He's incredible. Yeah, and the Angels are telling you, we are not going to trade this incredible unicorn, this incredible alien, whatever adjective you want to lump onto this guy. What he did today, and I remember I was watching the White Sox game last night, and I saw the trade for Lucas Giolito, and at that moment I knew when I saw the Angels on the ticker were coming through and sending their top catching prospect, who from MLB.com, I believe they have him ranked in like the top 10. It's like, all right, they're going all in. They're doing yeah. what they should not do at all. Five games above 500. We know that there's three wild card spots as opposed to two. They're going all in. And it's probably a two-month rental still. And I say rental, even though he's under contract there, because he's leaving, and they're going to get a comp pick at the end of this season, and it's not going to be anything close to the value that they could have potentially gotten had they traded Shohei Otani. But Perry Menagin, Artie Moreno, they're doubling down. They're saying we are not going to be the ones who let the best player potentially in baseball history walk out the door at the trade deadline. We're going to try to run this thing through as far as we can. They expect Mike Trout back at some point soon. But this is just bad business, Mike. I I respect it because they have been so stubborn every single year. <laughs> they did it last year. They wouldn't trade him. They are not doing – they are decided to – go against all common sense and logic and not trade him this year. But I don't see this ending. I mean, if they make the wild card, great, but they're probably not going very far in the postseason. But, but here's the thing, right? There, and there's still a couple days left. A couple days remaining in the trade deadline. They can still buy more. They need to do this. They have to do this because if you trade Shohei Otani, you're, you're going to trade him for prospects. And we all know, Courtney, you've covered baseball. I covered minor league baseball, my first job uh, in California way too many years ago. And you know that prospects in baseball do not always work out. It's as much of a, uh, as Amber likes to say, crud shoot. It's as much as a crud shoot as, as the NFL draft, more so even, because you just have no idea. So to me... If you are the Angels and this works and you somehow win because Shohei Otani is incredible or you win enough that makes Shohei Otani say, you know what, I might want to stay, then this is all worked out. And if it fails, you know what, you were going to be bad anyway. You're going to be, be bad, but you were going to be bad enough to get Shohei Otani out the door to a potential contender and then be able to rebuild with prospects that you get in the, in the trade and then you could potentially move on from Mike Trout. Look, they've been together, Trout and Otani, since 2018. They haven't had a winning record. They haven't made the postseason. I just... They're three and a half games back right now of Toronto for the final wild card spot. Can they chase them down the stretch? Will it be exciting? Yes. The Orioles, the Rays, the Blue Jays, everybody else right now in the AL East is 
head and shoulders, at least in terms of the standings, above where the Angels are. But, big but here, we've been down this road before where there's been a glimmer of hope and then the team crumbles down the stretch of the season. If they get Mike Trout back, if they can contend, I'd love to see a push because now if they're going to go all in on Shohei Otani, then my eyes are going to be locked on what they can do. I don't think that there is anything in... In this stratosphere that can get Shohei Otani. I'm trying to find my words here. There's no way in hell he's staying with the Los Angeles Angels beyond this season. There's absolutely nothing that leads you to believe that they can be a winning franchise. They have two of the best players in baseball, and they haven't been able to put it together for a number of different reasons. It's not Shohei Otani's fault. It's the fact that injuries have been an issue, and obviously some of their acquisitions, knowing the injury history, like, that's that's been their Achilles heel, so to speak, the last few years, and I just don't see them getting out of their own way here. Artie Moreno is a stubborn owner, and he's doubling down on this. Will he go down as the guy who didn't trade Shohei Otani? More than likely. But will at the end of this season, when we're looking towards the winter meetings and we're looking towards where free agency will take us, everything running through Los Angeles... If he ends up on that other team, the one that wears blue that's just across the way over, I mean, not across the way, you know Los Angeles geography probably better than me. But yeah, not it's far about, from Anaheim. You're, wait, you're waiting a long time. <laughs> not far from Anaheim. If he ends up there, you know how irritated that fan base is going to be? You know how irritated Artie Moreno is going to be that he just let this guy walk out effectively for nothing to go sign the- with a team that he wanted nothing to do with and would never even entertain a trade with? Come on. Sure, but the guy, the guy also, let's be honest, He's the guy who signs the checks. By the way, Shohei Otani today, just to be clear, he became the first player in Major League history to throw a shutout in one half of a doubleheader. And then at a homer, actually at two home runs, in the other game of the doubleheader, just continuing his unicorn status. Like this guy, man. Whoo! I, I just love watching him play. I'm, I'm somebody who can't get behind watching Major League Baseball. I also... Like the New York Mets, so I'm already packed up for the 2024 season. Laid yourself like, there, friend. Well, you know, you can blame my dad and his uh, poor decisions in teams. He's going to blame the $340 million payroll, but we can go ahead and blame your dad if you I, want to. I, I, I try to blame my dad as much as possible for the <laughs> fact that for for the fact that I, I like a team of – I won't even call them lovable losers because that just they, – they don't ever lose. Coming up, Sean Payton ripped into Nathaniel Hackett, and, well, it's gotten even more interesting from there. We'll explain next. This is Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. 